Let's bring the tithe and the offerings to the Lord today. Here we are in June, almost to July, and churches need help every month that starts with a J, January, June, and July. So if you can remember to be faithful in giving, that will be a blessing I would like to pray over the people who manage our animal life, people who manage the wildlife and the fisheries. Uh, it's nice to have that skill set. And uh, they get a lot of grief, I know, from different perspectives. I was flying home from uh, Springfield the, uh, Friday, actually. And, the late, you know, if you don't want to talk on the airplane, you say, I'm a pastor. So she said, what do you do? I said, I'm a pastor. She goes, great. I disagree with you. I'm like, I, you don't even know what I believe. She goes, no, I disagree with you. She goes, I'm an animal rights activist. And uh, I think nothing should suffer. You should, nothing living should ever die. I said, well, then you can't eat because lettuce is alive and spinach is alive. And she goes, well, you have a point there. So anyways, uh, <laughs> yeah, so. Lord, we pray today for those people that manage the wildlife in Alaska. We appreciate their skill set. I remember one guy, uh, he, uh, he kind of in charge of the bears in the Anchorage area. And I got to talk to him uh, because my trash attracted a bear. But nonetheless, I got to talk to him. And uh, he like knows these bears. They're numbered and they're coded. And other people count the fish. We have people in our church that work on rivers in the Dillingham area. Monitoring the fish and the salmon and the trout and the various uh, fisheries. We have people who run uh, polar bear counts. We have, uh, my great uncle was the regional director of uh, U.S. Fish and Game and so uh, Fish and Wildlife. So God, we just thank you for these people. We thank you Lord that our our, our Alaska Native uh, clan is able to get their subsistence, their fish, their their uh, moose, their caribou. Uh, we thank you Lord that someone's keeping our rivers from being polluted and somebody's protecting from the mountains to the prairies to the oceans white with foam. Thank Thank you that you've given us a world that is beautiful and those that care for it. As Christians, we care about creation. The Bible says, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. And so we're preaching to the trees and the streams and the mountains and the rivers and the animals. So God, for those people that keep us safe in our boats and in the different things that people do, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you if you serve in that arena. We appreciate very much your service. I got a text last night from Chris Cox, believe it or not, the long lost Chris Cox. And he said, it's my mom and dad's 57th wedding anniversary. So happy anniversary, Bill and Margie. Uh, what a, what a delight. 57 years. Margie, do you win an award for that? Or I don't know how that works, but, uh, yeah. <clears throat> I would say that the Bill and Margie Cox are a great example of a praying mom, a praying family, and serving the Lord. What a beautiful, uh, delightful thing. I'm thankful for it. All right. People of fully realized potential are aligned with the nature, character, and will of God in their spirit, soul, and body. So I would like to continue my investigation of the interactivity between your spirit, your soul, and your body. Especially today, I want to feature your soul. I want to talk about your soul. 
and uh, maybe we could call it soul care. I don't know what title we would give, but I was watching close. Uh, you guys, you know, your body's important, right? And uh, uh, this is how we overcome. And you're like, a lot of y'all are like, well, I don't move. I don't, I don't let that joy show up in my fingers. I don't let that. You got to get your body into it. Amen. You got to get your body into it. And it's good for you. It's healthy. Today, I'm not going to talk much about the body in particular, but uh, I do want to talk about the interactivity of all three of these in your life today. And I think if you take heed to the word of the Lord I share today, it's worth a million dollars to you, and it's worth an extra five years of healthy living. I think that's the, I think that can be the result of this talk today. So I'm pretty fired up to give it and I hope I can practice it myself. And, uh, you know, one of the hardest things for me when I became pastor was to continue to be me because I suddenly had this sense I had to be somebody else. And uh, for those of you that know me a long time, you know that uh, that's been hard for me. I am a happy, I like to laugh, I like jokes, but I realized soon on as a pastor, if you tell a joke, half the crowd will like it, half won't. And the half who do are short-lived, and the half who don't hate you. And it's like, I can't even be me. I can't even laugh at what I think is funny. You know, like I grew up in Barrow. So we had this evangelist and he like tells all these jokes. And, and uh, at least when I lived in Barrow, people didn't like jokes. They weren't funny at all. He'd say, da, 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 nobody'd laugh. He'd try another joke. Nobody'd laugh. He'd try another joke. Nobody'd laugh. When he left the stage, he tripped. And they couldn't stop us from laughing. We laughed for like three hours. The white guy can't walk. You know, it's like we're all busting out laughing. And, and, uh, Christianity has a way, if you let it, of, let, of making you not be you anymore. And uh, I told a joke one time. Uh, uh, it's a crazy joke. It says, uh, 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 "It's uh, I want to die peacefully like my grandpa, uh, not in fear like my grandma who was trying to wake him up as he was driving the car. Something like that. All right? And people look at me like, I can't believe you think that's funny. Well, I do. And... Uh, uh, you don't know my grandpa. That's my point. And, uh, and so, you know, uh, the whole, the whole thing of joy and, and, and who you are and, and, you know, maybe your sense of humor is like your fingerprint. Maybe you're the only person in the world with that sense of humor. You're the only person that finds that to be delightful and funny. And, and that humor and joy and love, this is all in your soul. This is, this is your soul. And my text today, which I will end with, is now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and your whole soul and your whole body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Brothers, pray for us. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. I put you under oath before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Considering the interactivity of the spirit, soul, and body, I come to understand the effect that my soul has on my spirit and the effect the soul has on my body. 
In fact, this word soul is a predominant word in the Bible. It's over 700 times in the Old Testament alone. And I want to call it your inner being. I don't know how to define your soul. Uh, I've read a bunch of definitions, but it's the inner you. It's that part of you that, that's on the inside. It's, it's your personality. It's your loves, your fears, your joys. It's your thoughts. It's your, your intents of your heart. I learned it as a teenager, mind, will, and emotions. And that's a good beginning. It's not adequate, but it is a good beginning, uh, because, uh, animals existed, uh, and were alive. Before God breathed into Adam the breath of life and Adam became a living soul. So there's a difference between the human soul and animal life. And uh, as you reflect upon it, uh, it's quite interesting. So uh, the number one term in the New Testament translated for the, the word or in English soul is the word psyche. P-S-Y-C-H-E. Psuche, if you read Greek. And so, your soul is that psyche. And I don't like to use that word because Freud co-opted it. And, uh, you know, Freud, Freud is not our friend. In some ways he, he was helpful, in other ways he wasn't. He thought body, soul, and spirit, spirit, soul, and body was not an adequate way to view the human being. And so Freud, being an atheist Jew, an atheist Jew, he threw out the idea of spirit, soul, and body. He thought that's not the way to view a human being. The right way to view a human being being for Freud is id, ego, and superego. He created three new categories. And, and, uh, I think, I think, uh, all respect to Freud. I think God got it right. I don't think it's id, ego, and superego. I think it's spirit, soul, and body. And, uh, but anyways, the soul is that part of you that, that snickers. It's that part of you that falls in love. It's that part of you that loves. Did anybody see the sun yesterday coming through the uh, red, uh, through the smoke? And there's this big red ball hanging there. How many of you like that? You liked it in your soul. I mean, you can't separate it out, but nonetheless, you really enjoyed that in your soul. And although your spirit, soul, and body are one unity... You are you. You can't put your soul here and your spirit there and your body here. You are one unity. The Bible also reveals there is diversity between spirit, soul, and body. The, the, the word of God is powerful and sharper than in two, any two-edged sword, dividing the soul and the spirit. You and I can't divide the soul and the spirit, but the word of God can divide. That's how powerful the word of God is. I mean, and precise. It can get right in there in these intimate, uh, closely related spirit and soul. It's, it's beautiful. But everything that you allow into your soul greatly impacts all of you. Whatever you allow into your soul greatly impacts all of you. Spirit, soul, and body. The one I don't understand is people who go to horror movies. I cannot figure out why you want to let fear into your soul. 
I don't get it. It just, it's just like why uh, our text today, we'll get to there in just a minute, includes, and the peace of God that passes all understanding. We opened with that in the service in life. It, uh, everything you let into your soul impacts every part of your spirit, soul, and body. I like it this way. One loves and laughs and hopes and grieves and thinks and feels and wills in the soul. It's that beautiful part of you that, uh, that you, that, that t- gives you a twinkle in your eye. It's that, it's that part of you that's incredible about, uh, just the inner workings of who you are. And by the way, in this way, I think God has soul, or we might say God is soulish. Uh, you, you know about God. But when you get to know him, you know, you know his personality. You know, you know that for you, he, he likes to, he likes you to tap your toe or he likes you to take a photograph. And, and so for, for how many of you worship is a great work? You love a great worship service. How many of you love a great worship service? That's awesome. That's the way God likes that. He made you that. That's in your soul. My brother doesn't really like a great worship service. Never has. Doesn't bless him a bit. He likes a camera out and about with eagles. He has 30,000 eagle photos. And he says, bro, you can sing all those songs you sang to Jesus last week. <laughs> and uh, uh, he, he, he asked this, how long do you think God gets it? You got to sing it over and over every week. Anyways, he goes, I feel his presence when I'm taking pictures. He's got a collection of animal, Alaskan animals with food in their mouth. And uh, he's, got a, he's got a bear with a little salmon uh, fin sticking out his mouth like that. He's got moose with little blades of grass. He, he, because that's in his soul. And, uh, and, and there's room for you to, to be who you are. So, for example, we don't need to have scientific research to know the following are truly possible. Do you know this? Uh, you're going to know this is exactly right as soon as I say it. He worried himself sick. Right? You don't need to go like, I need $10 million to study. Can worry, can worry in your soul make your body sick? Of course it can. He worried himself sick. She laughed herself out of a depression. He, she laughed herself out of a depression. You know, if your soul can get happy enough, it's a, it's a depression busting deal. And when I was a kid, has, have anybody been in a service where there was holy laughter? Okay, it's like you have. I haven't been in one in a long time. But I was a kid, right? And we're in church. And this lady over here, she's, it's like 7.30 p.m. in Barrow at church. This lady over here, the Holy Spirit comes upon her and she starts laughing. And I mean, kind of loud. And uh, I thought, this is church. Thou shalt not laugh. And, uh, and then over here, somebody started laughing. The spirit of laughter went from her, caught this person. And pretty soon, the whole room is laughing. I mean, just loud laughing. There was nothing funny, actually, except laughing became funny. But people had the, uh, a holy laughter. You know, my mom and dad, and this went on for over an hour. My mom and dad reported that following that season of laughter, things like addictions were gone in people's lives. Things like depression were gone in people's lives. Do you want to take medicine the rest of your life or have a holy dose of laughter hit you and let God take care of it? Oh, I prefer the medicine. Anyway, kidding. How about this? We know this is true. We do not need science. He died of a broken heart. Yeah, you know it's true. How about this? She is so much healthier since she fell in love. 
It's like, man, you are looking good. What is wrong? Did you win the lottery? No, he fell in love with me. I am a loved woman. It makes all the difference in the world to be loved. Your soul has this great sense of love. And, and to just your whole, your whole life is different because of it. Our founding pastor, Neil Shinneman, said to me a hundred times, and I want it to never leave our DNA. It is your attitude, not your aptitude, that determines your altitude. Isn't that good? It's your attitude, not your aptitude, that determines your altitude. Early on, uh, my pastoral career, my pastoral life, I read a book called Lighten Up. That's why I asked you to say to everybody today, hey, lighten up. Let's try it one more time. Look at somebody. Lighten up. Because lighten up is a study by a man who, who found out that children with the same cancer as adults and with the same medicine as adults The children with cancer recover at a higher rate than adults by far. So he wanted to know, why do kids recover from life-threatening cancer better than adults do? And obviously, he thinks it's because the children know how to lighten up. You know the word humor? Humor comes from the Latin word humor, which means to be like water. In other words, when you have humor, you're flexible and you bend around the cancer cells. You bend around the arthritis. You bend around the car accident. You bend around the stressful moment. In other words, humor is a key thing. And in the book, Lighten Up, he's talking about the way these kids kind of fight disease with joy. How they fight disease with laughing and, and, uh, uh, it's just incredible how children and humor, children and joy recover so much more quickly. He says, I learned another lesson from a boy named Donnie. Every morning when he got out of bed, the nine-year-old pick up the darts and step to a yellow line drawn on the floor. The line was exactly 11 feet from the wall. And the dartboards that hung on his bedroom wall had rings and each ring had a number from 1000 to 1 billion they were carved into large free form cellular shapes they represented the cancer cells that were multiplying in donnie's blood each dart was labeled healthy cells The little boy would take careful aim and then toss the darts, killing millions of invasive sick cells every day. That exercise in control was often followed up by rounds of doctor checkups and various other treatments. Isn't that a brilliant dad who created a dartboard with the diseases there and darts called healthy cells? Well, that was five years ago. Donnie is 14 now. He's been in remission from leukemia for three years. He still tosses a few darts at the board every morning for good luck. And he still visits the doctor, but not as often. Who knows, Donnie says philosophically. Maybe the game helped my mind know what I needed to do. For all I know, cancer cells don't like darts. And they got uh, bored to death. (laughs) Can you see why a guy like that could beat leukemia? 
I'm talking about the, the healthfulness of the soul. Talking about the, the, the life-giving nature of the soul inside of you. In the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, the promises of God were given to covenant-keeping people. In other words, if you keep my covenant, I promise to do these great things for you. Praise the Lord. It's the same in the New Covenant. In the New Testament, the promises of God are given to those who keep the New Covenant. Therefore, He is the mediator of a new covenant. So that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. For where a will is involved, the death of the one who made it must be established. We are going to end in just a few moments with Holy Communion. We are going to take a cup representing the death of Jesus by his blood. We are going to take a piece of bread which represents the death of Jesus in his body. Jesus fully died. He didn't fall asleep. He didn't swoon. He died. He was dead. Guess why that's important? Because when he died, you now get in the will. If Jesus is alive, you can't have his will. Right? Uh, that's the story of the prodigal son. He came up to his dad and said, I, I know you're still alive, dad, but I want in the will now. You're as good as dead to me. It's just, it's just an atrocious story of somebody uh, wanting a will before the, the testator, it's called, before the person of the will has actually died. So when we take that bread and that cup, we are celebrating the fact that everything God gave to his son... He now gives to us in the will. I'm in his will. And it's activated right now. I mean, it's fantastic. The, the things that God has given us in his son's will. For a will takes effect only at death since it is not in force as long as the one who made it is alive. Therefore, not even the first covenant was inaugurated without blood. So God has made the most unbelievably glorious promises to me. If I'm in his family. So being adopted into his family puts me into his will and everyone in his family has the most amazing inheritance. Think about lighten up. Why can you lighten up today? You can lighten up today because you're in God's inheritance and it's already been activated in your life. Amen. Thank you, Faye. I'm fired up. You guys are trying to see if I know what I'm talking about. Number one inheritance, the pardon of all sin. That's already my inheritance. Amen. The merit of his own glorious righteousness. Am I righteous? Not really. Is Jesus in me righteous? Absolutely. Absolutely. He is all my righteousness. I stand complete in him and worship him. I sang it a hundred times last night over every chair in this room. When you sat down, you would know he is all your righteousness. As a follower of Jesus Christ, that's your inheritance. You can lighten up. You have his righteousness. You can lighten up. He has pardoned all your sin. You can lighten up. Number three, he gave you his own most Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. I can lighten up. I've got the spirit of the living God in me. I'm not proud. It's not by works of righteousness that I have done. But according to his mercy, he saved me. He did this by his great grace and mercy. But all of a sudden, when you have you ever complained about a problem? Only you were complaining to somebody whose problem was 800 times bigger than yours. 
You know what I'm talking about? It's like, oh man, my finger hurts. The guy goes, well, let's pray for you. Later on, you found out, you know, he he, he had buried his grandma and his dog died and he, uh, he was fighting some huge disease. And here you are complaining. Well, it's the opposite is true too. We're celebrating over here. Praise God, I have my grass is green. I've been using Scott's fertilizer. It's better than what I tried last year. I'm doing, I'm having a great day. You go, no, that's crazy. That's nothing great compared to you have the Holy Spirit. Amen. And then this, number four, but the most glorious part of the property bequeathed by Jesus to his people is that the inheritance is incorruptible. Woo! I got, how long do I have this pardon of all sin, his righteousness and his Holy Spirit? I have it incorruptibly. I have it undefilably. And it does not fade away. And just in case life gets a little short for me, it is reserved for me in heaven. Lighten up, man. You're on your way to heaven. Lighten up. You have the Holy Spirit. Lighten up. You have his righteousness. Lighten up. He's pardoned all your sin. Amen. Amen. You know, the enemy of your soul has a problem. What does he want to do to you? Kill you. But what happens if he kills you? It's better. You're better off. It's like, dude, I don't want to bless you. If I kill you, I bless you. If I don't kill you, I don't bless me. So he's stuck. Amen. My wife is really strong on this point, so much so I thought she was depressed. But uh, uh, I say, Paula, don't push it that far. But she goes, you know what? I would. I'm ready for heaven. It is so much better than this. She goes, you like Hawaii? Anybody like Hawaii? Yes, it is called paradise for a reason. And uh, I like Hawaii. I'm ready for Hawaii. I'm not that excited about heaven. But my wife has such a good view of heaven, she would skip Maui for uh, the, the river of life. You know what I'm talking about? Because she's like, hey, lighten up. We're on our way. On Jordan's stormy banks I stand and cast a wishful eye to Canaan's fair and happy land where my possessions lie. I am bound for the promised land. So we go, oh, man. A Christian has died. It's terrible. No. A Christian has died. It's glorious. Praise the Lord. Well, when these glorious things done by God in my spirit, can you imagine the huge effects on your soul? I'm trying to just see if I can. I'm, I say, God, you're giving me a hard job today. My job is to see if I can get crusty saints to smile at least once. It's like, no, thank you. I am, I am not willing to be joyful. I, uh, no, you know, just let that sink in. Your sins are gone. Your inheritance is assured. The Holy Spirit has been given to you and you're guaranteed an eternal inheritance. What does that do in your soul? What does that do in your body? You see, just as the spirit significantly influences body, soul, and spirit, the soul influences the spirit and the body. For example, I want you to listen to the word of the Lord and just let it sink in. You've heard it a thousand times, I'm sure. But let it sink in today. A joyful heart is good medicine. I prefer the King James every once in a while. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. But a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Joy is fantastic medicine for your soul and body. It's fantastic to have joy. It's a so it joy actively works against disease. 
I think that's a key. I'll talk about that next week. It actively works against disease. It's not just an attitude you have when you have disease. But the joy that God gives to the follower of Christ actively works against disease. A crushed spirit actively works against health and dries up the bones. Anybody have any pictures of Jesus hanging around your house? Anybody hang pictures of Jesus around your house? I wonder if any of them look like this. Or what about like this? Or what about like this? Or what about like this? Why do we make pictures of Jesus so sad and gloomy when in fact he had the joy of God his whole life? Anybody remember Irma Bombeck? In church the other Sunday, I was intent on a small child who was turning around smiling at everyone. He wasn't gurgling, spitting, humming, kicking, tearing the hymnals or rummaging through his mother's handbag. He was just smiling. Finally, his mother jerked him about and in a stage whisper that could be heard in a little theater off Broadway said, Stop that grinning! You're in church! With that, she gave him a belt and as the tears rolled down his cheeks, added, That's better. And returned to her prayers. We sing, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, while our faces reflect the sadness of one who has just buried a rich aunt and left everything to her pregnant hamster. We chant, if I have not charity, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Translated in the parking lot, it comes out, and the same to you, fella. Suddenly I was angry. It occurred to me the entire world is in tears, and if you're not, then you'd better get along with it. I wanted to grab this child with the tear-stained face close to me and tell him about my God, the happy God, the smiling God, the God who had to have a sense of humor to have created the likes of us. I wanted to tell him he is an understanding God, one who understands little children who pick their noses in church because they are bored. He understands the man in the parking lot who reads the comics while his wife is attending the service. He even understands my shallow prayers that implore, if you can't make me think, then make all my friends look fat. I wanted to tell him, I've taken a few lumps in my time for daring to smile at religion. By tradition, one wears faith with the solemnity of a mourner, the gravity mask of tragedy, and the dedication of a rotary badge. What a fool, I thought. Here was a woman sitting next to the only thing left in our civilization, the only hope, our only miracle, our only promise of infinity. If he couldn't smile in church, where was there left to go? Isn't that interesting? So I don't have time to work through these, but I have a point to make with all of them. And we'll do that another week. Number one, how, what, what can you do about this joyful thing? Number one, behold your belief. Behold your belief. And I would just uh, want to say maybe one that I, I'll go into a little depth on this one. How about hold this one? All things work together for good to them who love God and there are the called according to his purpose. Hold on to that. Behold your belief. Tackle your troubles. Tackle your troubles. Find your funny. 
How long has it been since you really found something to be funny? That, that, the longer it is, the more likely grouch applies. You know what I'm saying? Find your funny. Hold your happy. Well, Pastor Ken, I don't want to be happy. Uh, I, I'm, I'm beyond happy. No, find your happy and hold it. Hold your happy. And five, rest in your relationships. Just rest in your relationships. Back to my text. I told you we'd end with my opening text. Notice it says, now, the God of peace. What I'm asking you to let happen in your soul today is peace. But not that you make up. You know, this cracks me up. Um, why does that crack me up? Because it's not something, the peace I'm about is not something you're trying to tap into from some kind of energy in the universe. I'm talking about, may God himself, the Prince of Peace, may God himself, the God of peace, put peace in your soul. I love the people that write songs about how they feel. I like theology songs too, but I like songs that people write about uh, how they feel. And how about this one? I've got peace like a river. I've got peace like a river. I've got peace like a river in my soul. Do you feel it? Just singing it. You feel that peace. May the God of peace do this thing in your spirit, your soul, and your body. Number two, he's making my whole spirit, my soul, and my body blameless. In other words, God's at work in my soul right now. This God of peace is at work in my soul right now. He's helping me not take things seriously that shouldn't be taken seriously. He's helping me take seriously what should be taken seriously. He's helping me to pause and smell the roses. He's, he's at work in me. He's making my whole soul blameless. Praise God. Number three, I won't doubt him because it says in the text, he who calls you is faithful. Is my soul going to be okay? Yes, because he who called me is faithful. And the one who is faithful will surely do it. You say, well, I've had soul trouble for a long time. I haven't seen joy in a hundred years. I, I haven't laughed till my side hurts since high school. I, I Guess what? The God of peace is at work in your soul. And he is faithful. And he's surely going to do it in your soul. He's going to bring you to the best place your soul has ever been. In the history of your life. He is faithful and he will surely do it. D. In this process Paul recognizes the value of praying one for the other. It says in verse 25. Brothers pray for us. Have you ever really thought about that for just a moment? Lord God, I pause now to pray. Uh, uh, I pause now to pray for Dan. I ask God that in Dan's life, you will give him a sense of humor, that he will laugh like he's never laughed before. I pray that he will love like he's never. I pray for his soul. Paul says, you know, we're going to make the spirit, soul, and body blameless, but it's going to require we pray one for the other. Pray for us. Pray for your soul. Pray for your friend's soul. E, he knows this process is best accomplished in a strong fellowship of God's love. I know that this one won't bless you any, but it's still the same idea. Greet one another with a holy kiss. It's like, no, thank you. I'll pass. And, uh, uh, 
Except Chuck and Faye just didn't pass. I saw that, Chuck. And, uh, but, um, yeah. It, it doesn't say greet your husband with a holy kiss. It says all the brothers, Faye, with a holy kiss. But you get it? Your soul does better in a, in a group of people who love each other? Uh, you're, you do better when somebody's a raving fan of yours? Uh, I, I did a wedding yesterday, and uh, it was for John and Carrie Ailshire. And I was at Eagle River Grace Church, and I couldn't remember who the pastor was. And the pastor came up, and I immediately remembered. I said, hey, Pastor Grady, thanks for, thanks for letting me come into your house and do a wedding. I mean, she grew up in your church, and, and you let me come in and do a wedding. He said, this house is always open to you. You're my A-team. I said, I'm your A-team? He goes, yeah, ever since we worked together on the Lon Griner funeral, he goes, you're a hero to me. Wow. I was like, can you say that again? That feels good. That feels good. Praise God. To be loved. To have somebody just come to you and go, man, you are awesome. I can't believe I get to know you. Your, your idiosyncrasies intrigue me. That's a way of saying you're weird, but I like it. You know what I'm saying? It's like, wow, I never thought of wrecking the car that way. That's incredible creativity you have there. F, all of this Paul reveals is, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. In other words, may God's grace help your soul be sanctified entirely. You say, I struggle with this in my soul. I, I have uh, this or that or the other thing in my soul. You know what? The God of grace is going to work in your soul. And I believe you can laugh your way if you are an, in the inheritance of the Lord. You can laugh your way out of mental illness. You can, uh, you can honor your way. You can love your way. You can celebrate your way. Uh, I, I, I don't think any of us have a death penalty in our soul. I think God wants to say to all of us today, Hey, lighten up. Is your sin forgiven? Lighten up. Do you have his righteousness? Lighten up. Has he given you his Holy Spirit? Lighten up. And is your eternal reward awaiting you in heaven? Lighten up. All right, we're going to go to communion. And as we go to communion today, uh, here's what we're going to do. Uh, You can receive it at your own time and pace. I want you to celebrate the fact that the will has been inaugurated for you. He died. Jesus is dead. He died. He rose again. He's alive. But he died. And that dying uh, activated his will. And all of that inheritance that God has for you has been inaugurated in Jesus Christ. Celebrate that you're in his will. In other words, it wasn't your rich uncle that died, but your rich older brother. You're in the will. And all the wealth of God has been applied to your account. Okay? Let's celebrate. And I sing because you are good. And I dance because you are good. And I sh- because you are good, you are good to me. Oh, and I sing because you are good.